Welcome back, everybody. Hello, good morning, Ian. I'm sure Mercy's on here, Amber's on here. Glory to God, my hair looks crazy. I was just running over here after studying. I'll tell you what, today's message is going to change your life. This whole week, we're covering a series called Supernatural Secrets. Yesterday, I taught on Supernatural Secrets. What do we? Well, here, I'll, I'll test and see who was there yesterday. Type in the comments if you remember what you learned yesterday. Supernatural Secrets to what yesterday? And while people are typing in the comments, today, I'm teaching on Supernatural Secrets to church growth. This is a topic I've never taught before on a live stream, but I felt in my spirit that I needed to teach on it. And so this whole week, I'm going to be teaching very good. Mercy, mercy got it first. Supernatural secrets to prayer and fasting. Good job, mercy. Good morning, Kimberly Walker. Today, I'm going to teach you the supernatural secrets to church growth. If you're a minister, if you're a pastor, if you're a church congregant, you need to know what the supernatural secrets are that will make your church grow tremendously. God doesn't, God loves small churches. It's not that God's like not in a small church, but God does not like churches being limited. God likes big churches. God likes the house of God packed full of people. Pastors with small churches will get you to sympathize with them and say, well, God is just as much for my 12-person church as he is for your 1,200-person church. Yes, he is. But if you're actually plugged into God, you're plugged into God's spirit, and you're plugged into God's word, it's impossible for you to stay small. God will increase you. I know a pastor named uh, Bishop David Oyedepo. I don't know him personally, but I, I've studied him. And he's got the biggest church on the planet. It didn't start that way. It started as a small church in Africa. But when he started doing the principles of God's word, when he began flowing in the power of the Holy Ghost, when he began connecting with supernatural relationships, God increased him, and now he's got the biggest church on planet Earth. <clears throat> not the biggest church in Africa. Not the biggest church on his continent. But the biggest church in the world. Somebody type in the comments, when you plug in with God, it's impossible to stay small. And I'm going to teach you what the Bible says about growing your church. How to do it. I'm not talking about having a men's group, having a ladies group, although those things are awesome. I lead a men's group for our church, for young men. But I'm going to teach you how the Bible shows you to gather the multitudes. Jesus started with 12 disciples. He ended with thousands. Now he had 70 that were called disciples, but he had thousands that were following him everywhere that he went. 
God wants thousands of people to be in churches everywhere in your city. He wants a church with 10,000 people in it. Jesus had to feed 10,000 people. God wants that to be your problem, believe it or not. So let me show you. Go with me to Acts chapter 1. And I'm going to show you what the Bible says about growing a big church. And now I don't know everything that there is to know about growing a big church. I won't pretend that I do. But I do know these things that have worked for me when it comes to helping my pastors, Pastor Stan and Mary, grow their church, as well as helping other churches that I've helped in the past. There was a church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota called Faith Family Church that when the Lord revealed these things to me, I started implementing them. And we brought over 100 kids to church and like 100 college students, not kids, like little kids, over 100 college students to church in less than six months. So I know it works. And that was that was a couple of years ago. I didn't know nearly as much then as I know now. So if these principles worked then, based basically off of just zeal and passion, they'll definitely work now based off of revelation knowledge. I want you to write this down in your notes. The number one key to church growth is the supernatural power of God. It's the Holy Spirit. If God's spirit is not active in your church, it will never grow. <clears throat> I know a lot of people, they'll even watch old-time Brother Hagen videos. They'll watch old-time ministers preach. They'll, they'll watch current ministers preach under the unction of the Holy Ghost. With the joy, with healings and signs and wonders. And they'll say, man, that's awesome. But then when the Holy Ghost tries to move like that in their church, they shut them down. I've seen it. I've been in churches like that. Where the pastor is like, I love this. I love that. I love the move of the Holy Ghost. But the moment that the Holy Ghost starts moving in their congregation, they think the congregation is going to get freaked out. My biggest giver is going to leave. I, I, we should just shut it down. Let's keep it comfortable. We don't want we don't to ruffle any feathers. We don't want to have to explain the Holy Ghost to people. Anything you're ashamed of about God, you will never have. If you're ashamed of prosperity, you'll never have it. If you're ashamed of the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues, you'll never have it. If you're ashamed of the joy of the Lord, you'll never have it. Whatever you're ashamed of in this Bible will never be yours. But on the contrary, whatever you say, I don't care. I'm a Pentecostal. I'm not ashamed. I'm a tongue-talking, Bible-believing, signs and wonders following, Holy Ghost anointed service, man of God, woman of God. I'm not ashamed. Not ashamed of wealth. Not ashamed of health. Not ashamed of the anointing or the joy of the Lord. Not ashamed of deliverance. When you rise up and you say, God, I'm not ashamed of you. I'll do what you tell me to do. I'll go where you tell me to go. I'll say what you tell me to say then the things that are in this book will become a reality in your life. Type in the comments, I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost.
I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. You cannot be ashamed. When you're not ashamed of the Holy Spirit, this is what it says. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the outermost parts of the earth. The Holy Spirit is the one who has the power to grow your church. He's the master evangelist. But he operates through you. He operates through me. The Bible says he who is joined with the Lord has become one spirit with him. Our spirit and the Holy Spirit have become one. So he must operate through me. And I must be willing to let him. When you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Spirit comes on your life to be a master evangelist. Someone once said the point of the anointing of the Holy Spirit is to release people's burdens by the anointing. To set people free by the anointing. To draw people to the house of God, the ark of God, by the anointing. So first things first, you must be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And your congregation must be baptized in the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost comes, this is what happens. Go to Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, verse 1, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a mighty rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them tongues as of fire, being distributed and resting on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now dwelling in Jerusalem were Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were confounded, because each man heard them speaking in his own language. The Holy Ghost brings the supernatural. My pastor said last night at our Bible school, the doorway to the supernatural is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. With the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the emphasis of the baptism of the Holy Ghost comes automatic supernatural church growth. I'll show you. Go to verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all of you who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my men servants and maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now listen to this. Verse 22, this is what I want you to see. 
men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth was a man approved to you by God with powerful works and wonders and signs, which God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, you have taken him who was handed over to you by the ordain. And they go on to talk about how he was crucified. Type this in the comments. God ordains with signs, or we'll put it this way. God approves with signs and wonders. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved by God with signs and wonders. When healing and deliverance and signs and wonders and miracles, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, prophecy, when the supernatural is at work in your church, God is approving your church with signs following. That approval from God will draw in the multitudes. When I lived up in Iowa, the only spirit-filled church close to me was an hour away. So some Sundays, if I had a bunch of people that wanted to come to church with me, they might not have been able to go all the way up to Sioux Falls. So I would try to find I would try to find the closest thing to me that would even come close and, and nothing came close. Whenever I would take people to a church that had no signs following, they would always backslide and they wouldn't come back anymore. But when I got them into the presence of God in a church that was full of the supernatural, where hands were being laid on people every single week, when people were being healed, people were coming up to get saved, people were coming off the street, getting delivered of alcoholism and drugs and prostitution. When they were in that atmosphere, they always came back. The key to supernatural church growth is the power and demonstration of the Spirit of God. When God is moving in a church, the congregation will automatically bring people to a move of God. And this is what happened when Peter was preaching. Acts chapter 2 verse 40. Listen to this. With many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. In one sermon, Peter had a mega church. So whenever somebody tries to tell you that God is all right with small churches, no, he's not. God wants a big church, a big, powerful church, full of people. 3,000 people added in one day. The first key to supernatural church growth is make sure that you're operating in the supernatural. And if you don't know how to operate in the Holy Ghost, Find somebody that does and sit under them or invite them in and receive impartation. That's what I did two, two years ago, three years ago. 
three years ago, I realized I knew a lot of the Bible. Well, so I thought I knew a lot of the Bible. I knew the word pretty well. But I realized I couldn't lay hands on anybody and get them healed only every once in a while. But I couldn't do it at will. I, I realized I knew very little about flowing in the Holy Ghost and the power of God's Spirit. So I started driving 10 hours, 16 hours, 24 hours to go sit in these meetings of great men of God that were operating in the power of the Holy Ghost. Because I realized that's the only thing that's going to cause my generation to get saved, to get free, to get delivered. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, freedom to those that are oppressed, liberty to the captive, to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring sight to the blind, to preach the year of the Lord's favor. If Jesus needed the anointing of the Holy Ghost, how much more do I need it? How much more do you need it? So I was hungry for it. I started seeking it. I still seek it. But God brought me to my spiritual father and he knows how to flow in the Holy Ghost. But we still glean from other people. Number two thing that will cause radical church growth that will take your church from adding to multiplying. Go to Acts chapter 6. So we saw that when Peter preached, it said 3,000 were added that day. Three thousand were added that day. This is how the church went from addition to multiplication. Acts chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Now in those days, as the disciples were multiplied, there was murmuring among the Hellenists against the Hebrews, because their widows were overlooked in the daily distribution. So the twelve called the multitude of disciples together, and said, It is not reasonable for us to leave the word of God and serve tables. Brothers, look among yourselves for seven men who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint over this duty. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what was said pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, who was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, and proselyte, or a proselyte from Antioch, whom they presented before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they placed their hands on them. So the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples grew rapidly in Jerusalem, and a great number of priests were obedient to the faith. I want you to write this down. The ministry of helps, or helps ministry. For people that are just joining us, these are the supernatural secrets to church growth. Make sure you give this video a thumbs up, subscribe if you haven't already, and share this with someone that needs to know how to grow their church. Another translation says, the church multiplied in Jerusalem. Multiplied in Jerusalem. So the church went from addition to multiplication when the ministry of helps was added to the church. 
they were trying to get the apostles to serve tables and to serve these widows. And the apostles said, hey, there's nothing wrong with serving widows. But that's not our job. We have to stick to our lane of prayer and ministering God's word. Find seven men that are full of faith in the Holy Ghost, and they will be the ones that will serve. And when the ministry of helps was added to the church, the church went from addition to multiplication. The ministry of helps is not a second string, secondary ministry. It is just as important as a fivefold ministry. Helps ministry keeps the community, keeps the sheep in the pasture. So if you're not in a position where God's called you to be an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher or an apostle or a prophet, if you've been anointed and chosen by God to be in helps ministry, you are just as important. Your job serving in your local church will take your church from addition to multiplication. Your ability to serve in your local church will cause your church to multiply. So the two things that you must have in your church, and maybe I'll do a part two to this to this one, because I I've never done a uh I've never done a stream on this before, but I know that the Lord put it in my spirit. So I know God wants people to know this because what will happen is a lot of people will go to church and they'll just sit in their congregation and not do a thing. Jesus said, a man who is faithful with little will be given much and a man who is faithful with another's will be given his own. Many young preachers want to have a microphone and preach crusades or they want to have a massive ministry but they've never taken time to be faithful with another person's ministry if you can't be faithful to help your pastor right now how can god trust you to help him when you're 40 or 50 to shepherd his body Get baptized in the Holy Ghost and power. And operate in it. Pray for people. You go to a restaurant, leave a good tip. Bring a church card with you. Give it to your waitress or your waiter. And say, Jesus loves you. Here's an extra $20, $30, If you don't have a place to go to church, we would love to have you come to our church this Sunday morning. Start small. Be faithful with the little, and God will give you the much. I'll leave you with this one thing, and then I'm going to pray for you, that God starts moving through your life with power. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Remember, there's power in preaching the gospel. Paul said in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God saving everyone that believes. The same power that was in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is in the gospel when you preach it. So he said, I'm not ashamed. I'm going to preach the gospel because as it leaves my lips, it carries the power to deliver people from sin and death and the grave. And it has the power to make them born again. 
The same power that was in the event is in the message. And this is how Paul said it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. Brothers, when I came to you, I did not come with superiority or speech or wisdom. Superiority of speech or wisdom. So a lot of people, what do you hear him say? Why do you like, why do you like Stephen Furtick? And I'm not speaking against Stephen Furtick. I don't have any opinion on Stephen Furtick. No public opinion on Stephen Furtick. But you'll ask him, why do you like Stephen Furtick? Oh, he's a great communicator. Well, praise the Lord. But Paul literally said, I didn't come being a great communicator. That's what he's saying here. I didn't come in superiority of speech or man's wisdom. Declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He's saying, when I preach the gospel, I preach the power that was in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I want you to type this in the comments and then I'm going to pray for you. My power rests, or my faith rests in the power of God. My faith rests in God's power. I know God is alive because I've seen God's power. I've seen God heal the sick. I've seen God raise the dead. I've seen God work miracles in my life and in people's lives. I've laid hands on people that were supposed to die and God raised them back. I've laid hands on people that were supposed to have cancer, have tumors, have diabetes. And I've watched the healing power of God take it out of their body. My faith doesn't rest in good communication. My faith rests in God. Hallelujah. When your faith rests in the power of God. That's right, Amber. Makes me want to dance too. Glory to God. When you know that the Zoe life of God lives in you. You'll take it everywhere you go. Every restaurant you walk in, every business you walk in, every grocery store you walk in, the power of God will be with you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I'm going to pray that God baptizes you afresh today with the Holy Ghost. I'll read this last thing to you. I know I, I said that like 10 times now, but I'll read this last thing to you. I want to stir your faith to receive something fresh today. To be filled up afresh, to be refreshed in the Holy Ghost. Listen to this. When Peter went down to Cornelius' house, it says a few things about Cornelius. I want you to understand this about Cornelius. Cornelius was not a Jew. Cornelius did not have a covenant with God, but he believed in God. This is big. I want you to hear this. Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 2. A devout man, Cornelius, 
and one who feared God with all his household, who gave many offerings to the people and continually prayed to God. What got God's attention? Not that he was just a devout man, but it says he gave alms or offerings to the poor. He was a generous man. What got God's attention was he was a generous man who prayed continually. Did you know that your generosity attracts the power of God? I've seen it in my own life. Verse 3, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. When he looked at him, he said he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? He said to him, your prayers and your offerings or your alms have come up as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa. I want you to underline that in your Bible. Your prayers and your alms, your prayers and your generosity have come up as a sweet offering to God. As a memorial before God. Did you know that with your praying and with your generosity, it goes up as a sweet fragrance to the Lord. And he sees a generous person. And he'll even send angels to you because of your generosity. Verse 5, Now send men to Joppa and bring back Simon, whose name surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon Tanner, uh, who is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Now I want you to fast forward. Go with me to verse 34. Now Peter is at Cornelius' house. And it says, Then Peter began to speak, saying, Truthfully, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. He's saying God doesn't have favorites. What God does with one person, God will do with another. He says, God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. He's saying whoever prays to God, Whoever fears God, whoever's generous and does what the Bible says, God hears them, God sees them, and he will show himself strong on their behalf. Verse 36, the word which he sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all, the word which you know, that was proclaimed throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And so Peter starts preaching to Cornelius' house. Now go to verse 44. Listen to this. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on all of those who heard the word. So Cornelius was a generous man who prayed and feared God. And it says that as Peter preached, the same way right now, as I'm preaching, the Holy Ghost fell on Cornelius' house. As I'm preaching right now through your device, through your television, through your laptop, through your phone, the Holy Ghost is falling on you right now. Even as I'm speaking right now, you're being baptized, filled afresh with the Holy Ghost. As I yet speak, God's Spirit is coming upon you now. So it shows that when you're a generous person, 
it attracts God's power. It attracts the Holy Ghost. Sometimes the strongest anointings I've ever felt are during an offering message. When somebody is taking an offering for God. One of the strongest anointings I've ever felt of impartation was when I didn't have any money on me. And a man of God came to our church. And I took my watch off. And I gave it to him because it was all I had. And when I gave it to him, he didn't even pray for me. I just gave it to him and I felt the Holy Ghost on his body leap off of him. And I almost got knocked over by the power of God. Just because I gave him my watch. Your generosity attracts God's power to your life. And it attracts the anointing and it attracts impartation. So I'm going to pray for you now that you receive a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to receive, or I'm going to pray now that you receive impartation to evangelize and to pack your church. God wants your church full of people. God wants your social media full of people getting saved. God wants your car full every weekend as you bring people to church. You got to get people to the house of God. The Bible says that the righteous flourish in the temple or the courts of our God. Righteous people, Christians, flourish when they're in the house of God. If you want your life to flourish, make sure that you're in God's house. Before I pray for you, I want to give you an opportunity to give today. You can see on your screen right now the different ways that you can give. Through Cash App through Venmo, through PayPal, or through my website. We're reaching hundreds of millions of people on social media each and every single year. We've got almost 700,000 views on our salvation video. And thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people have made decisions to make Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. So not only will God show himself strong because of your generosity, but you can take your finances and you can plug them into the kingdom of God today. I encourage you. Ask God what he would have you give today. And then I'm going to pray for you. The same way I I gave my watch, and it was a nice watch. It It wasn't a cheap watch. The same way I gave that watch to that man of God and it released God's power onto me. The same way Cornelius gave alms and offerings and it attracted God's spirit to come to his house is the same way your generosity today will attract God's power to your life, whatever your situation is. In Jesus' name. We're currently feeding 1,500 kids every single month in other countries through an organization called Feed the Hungry. And we have 11 other ministries that we partner with on a monthly basis. So I ask you now, ask the Lord, Father, what would you have me give to this ministry to help them reach this generation with the gospel? And I'll give you a moment to give. Cash app is dollar sign Revival Way. Venmo is at Revival Way. PayPal is at Revival Way, or you can give on our website, revivalway.com, and you can click Partner Financially.
today. And I encourage you, become a monthly partner with us. Many people will spend $100 a month at Starbucks or at Taco Bell, but they won't give $100 a month to the gospel. I believe if you're watching me right now, you're not one of those people. But you're somebody that says, I'm connecting my finances to God's kingdom. I'm going to read this to you while you're preparing your giving. This will bless you. Luke chapter 8 says this. Verse 1. Afterward, this is talking about Jesus. He went throughout every city and village, preaching and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. With him were the twelve and some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod, Herod's steward. So Herod, King Herod, the steward of King Herod, his wife, so a wealthy man, was with Jesus. And Susanna and many others, many others, not a few others, many others who supported him out of their own personal finances, their own personal possessions. So when God has a ministry like this one, that we travel and we preach, we go on social media and we preach, God will bring people with finances and connect them to the person that's preaching and bringing the good news. Typically, it's people that have been impacted by the ministry. And they take out of their own private finances and they give to the kingdom. I encourage you, be one of those people. Join us on this mission to reach this generation with the gospel. Amen. Amen. I encourage you, give big today. Give big today. And watch God show up strong in your life. All right, let me pray for you. Father, every person that gives right now under the sound of my voice, I ask that you would increase them tremendously. Angels of acceleration and financial prosperity, I commission you to go and bring in their harvest. Devil, take your hands off of their money. Angels and ministering spirits, cause the word to work and cause the money to come. And Lord, I pray now by the Holy Ghost, every person that gives generously today, just like Cornelius did, and just like those women did, would your supernatural Holy Ghost power come upon them afresh in a new way today and move them up higher in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone that received it said, Amen and Amen. Well, I'm glad that I came on the live stream today. I don't know about you. I know if you gave right now, God is doing miracles in your life. Your giving here is causing miracles there. The same way that Cornelius' giving caused angels to go to Peter. Your generosity, your giving is causing things in the spirit to move and shake and change for you. I know it for a fact. So Father, we thank you for a mighty harvest. In Jesus' name. I love you. I'm thankful that you joined me today. These were the supernatural keys to church growth. And I'll probably do a part two to this. Maybe a part three. I feel like I could do a whole series on this. Because as I was teaching on it, more things popped up in my spirit. So we'll have to, we'll have to hit this one again. Stay full of the Holy Ghost. And don't forget to join me tomorrow. 
I'm going to be teaching you supernatural secrets to financial increase. So you don't want to miss tomorrow. If you want to learn how to connect God's word to your finances and to see increase, join me tomorrow at 1130 a.m. Give this video a thumbs up. Share it with somebody. I love you and I will see you tomorrow. See ya. Thank you.